Welcome to Trading Paper with VTS, a commercial real estate podcast. I'm your host, Max Saya, and I'm the head of investor research at VTS. If you haven't heard of VTS, we're a leading commercial real estate technology platform. We help owners and other CRE executives make smarter decisions about their space and future investments. I'm personally very fortunate to work with the company's proprietary data set that tracks new requirements as they enter the market. And this is awesome because it leads traditional sources of demand that we're you know, obviously very well aware of, such as leasing and net absorption, by approximately six months. And we can also report on super difficult to aggregate stats like deal economics for active proposals, which lead pricing trends and executed deals as well. So every quarter, we use some of that data, and VTS releases a major market report we like to call green shoots. We call it that because that report attempts to spotlight the positives in the office market to the extent there are any. On today's episode, we'll be examining the insights found in our latest Green Shoots report. My hope is that you build familiarity with our data set and understand how our data drives our 2023 outlook. So without further ado, let's dive into the data. Before we get into the commercial real estate specifics, I, I think we just have to start with what happened with inflation and the Federal Reserve over the past year. So obviously, as the inflation rate continued to rise, the Federal Reserve sought to combat that by rising interest rates to slow down aggregate demand. And so we actually started the year at a Fed funds rate of just 0.25%. I know it can feel like forever ago where we were kind of at those low rates, but it was just at the beginning of the year. But we ended at a rate of 4.5%. So massive increase in that. And that just had knock-on effects for everything. So like specifically, triple B bond yields, which have really positive correlations to cap rates went from 2.6% to 5.8% at the end of the year. So again, another thing that impacted pricing for commercial real estate. And then all of this impacted the stock market. So the S&P 500 ended the year down 19%. The tech-heavy NASDAQ ended the year down 33%. So those things obviously can impact corporate demand for office space, specifically for tech-centric tenants. And then that obviously came through in terms of investor sentiment for office in particular. Specifically, we saw the clearest in the public markets where the NARIT office equity index was down 38% in 2022. Now that we've kind of like gotten that context of what happened in 2022 out of the way, I want to pivot to what our data is saying and like what that means for what we expect in 2023. So we're going to get started with our first visual and just quick call out, if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, this will still work for you. But if you'd like to see the charts as we go along, hop over to our YouTube page for the video version of this podcast and a link to our YouTube channel can be found in the description below. And before I dive in and talk about what the numbers are saying, again, quick reminder, this is different from leasing activity or something like net absorption. What we're looking at here is the VTS office demand index or VODI for short. And we're taking a national look at this. So specifically the the top seven major gateway markets in the U.S. Again, this is looking at new requirements as they enter the market and start looking for space. So it's going to inform what leasing activity is going to be over the course of 2023. And the punchline here is the 2022 was a really tough year by this metric. So on average, we ended the year down 15% year over year versus 2021. Uh, And a lot of that weakness actually kind of happened later in the year. Quarter over quarter, looking at Q4 versus Q3, uh, we were down 8%. And kind of like where that nets us out, if we think about how recent demand compares to pre-COVID, we're still about 43% below the average levels of activity we saw in 2018 and 19. Now, if we break this down a little bit further and start to look at it on a market-by-market basis, 
We're really going to look at this two ways. Again, if, if you're looking, you see the visual on the left-hand side, we're essentially looking at the same metric, but year over year. So how did 2021 compare to 2022? Uh, and on the right-hand side, how did 2022, just the level of demand compare to pre-COVID? How far away is each market from getting back to those pre-COVID levels? Again, really striking on the year-over-year growth rates. DC is the only market that had a positive reading year-over-year, up just 3%. All the other markets actually gave back or had less new demand enter the market than they did in 2021. And then if we think about, you know, again, how far away are these markets from their pre-COVID levels? LA and New York are the closest to their pre-COVID highs, down, you know, 34% and 35% respectively. And then naturally, you know, some of the tech sub-markets like San Francisco and Seattle are some of the laggards here. San Francisco is 62% below its pre-COVID levels uh, and Seattle 49% below its pre-COVID levels of demand. And, you know, if you're looking at Boston, wondering why that's screening so weak by this metric, quick note that our Boston data does exclude life science demand, which is obviously a huge driver there right now. And it also doesn't count things like the suburban markets. It's very much focused on the core. So now that we got some of the just high-level market context out of the way, I, I want to pivot to, you know, some of the industry drivers that are influencing all of this. Like I mentioned, some of the tech-heavy markets like San Francisco and Seattle were, were really the laggards, especially versus their pre-COVID levels of demand. And so I want to start to break this out and think about, okay, what were the main demand drivers in terms of the share of overall demand pre-COVID and then what we've seen more recently across all of these markets? And the punchline for me is that for all eight markets we're showing in this visual, um, so again, the major gateways plus Houston Tammy, which if you don't know, is technology, advertising, media, and information, has lost its share of overall demand versus pre-COVID in all eight of them. Some of the worst declines we saw were in Seattle, unsurprisingly, where 47% of demand pre-COVID was coming from Tammy tenants, now just 28%. In New York, where that went from 35% to 21%. Again, talked about how at the top of the, the podcast that NASDAQ fell 33% last year. But we actually saw a very similar decline in demand from tech tenants just in the second half of 2022. If you look at the second half versus the first half, new tech demand entering the market is down 33.5% over that period. It's a really tough time. And while I think there has been a bit more resilience in traditional industries, and they've kind of gained their share a bit and, and, and stepped up in the ecosystem, such as you know finance and professional services or more stable uh, industries like government and nonprofits, to me, as we look back in the, in the year interview and think about what's going to continue to shape markets, like this is still the main story. And then now that we've kind of gotten this like pretty crummy demand outlook out of the way, I want to talk about rents a little bit and specifically kind of what we saw in the back half of the year versus the first half of, of 2022. So I think surprisingly, we saw just a 0.6% drop in net effective rents. And starting rents were actually down by a similar amount, down just 0.5%. And with, you know, all these negative readings I just kind of walked through in terms of new demand entering the market and tech demand being down, like you would think those would be down more. And we're going to talk about this when we really dive deep into flight to quality. That's really the driver here. What is getting transacted and what buildings are getting looks like those are much higher quality and higher price point than maybe like the average mix that we were used to seeing or expected pre-COVID in these markets. So that kind of skews the numbers a bit, but we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Sticking with deal economics, I want to focus on concessions, which I feel is like the real telltale sign uh, of a market's health. So broad brushstrokes and, you know, again, looking at like where the second half of the year landed versus the first half of 2022 based on, you know, proposals actively trading. 
TIs were up 2.6% over that period and free rent was up 1.9%. So actually pretty modest increases. And I think that's really great considering, you know, where, where demand currently sits and, and what we've seen previously leading up to this. So if we kind of take a step back and look at where all these things are versus pre-COVID levels, both sets of metrics are up mid to high double digits across the board versus pre-COVID. Again, that's for TIs and free rent across all markets. And if we focus in more on free rent for a second, because I think that's really, you know, relative to TI, which can be influenced by other things, free rent is really a market-driven number and something that will actually be a leading indicator for movements in rental rates as owners try to buy up those rates by offering additional concessions, first and foremost. Unsurprisingly, again, those are up most in San Francisco and Seattle versus pre-COVID, so up 85% and 78% respectively. And then in terms of the markets with the highest levels of free rent being offered, those are D.C. and Houston, where that's 1.4 months per year of free rent in D.C. and 1.2 months per year in Houston. Now, I want to talk about one more piece of our deal economics data, but before I do, because I, I think these two things are definitely related to one another, I'm going to shift back to our demand data for a second and talk about what we've been seeing in terms of large tenant demand. And specifically, when we talk about large tenants in this case, we're talking about tenants that have requirements that are 50,000 square feet or larger, and then small and mid-sized tenants are going to be below that number. And specifically, if we just look over the past year, we saw the biggest declines in demand from those large tenants. So they're the drivers of the market and they were the ones suffering the most. So if we look at 2022 average monthly activity, that's down 57% versus pre-COVID for large tenants. And then if we compare that to small and mid-sized tenants, they were down about 42%. So big difference between those two numbers. But if we look at just what we saw in the fourth quarter, however, Large tenant demand was down just 3% quarter over quarter, and that's compared to a 16% decline for small and mid-sized tenants. So, you know, it's early stages of that developing, but it's definitely something we're going to pay attention to super closely because if large tenants can start to stabilize and if not outright stage a comeback, if not in 23, then beyond, then I think that's going to be a very important driver and positive force for, for office market demand. Not just because, like we talked about, they you know drive the most activity, but they also sign longer leases. And I want to be clear that, you know, when we look at our duration, the our, our duration data or like how long the, the leases tenants are signing that we capture here at VTS, the average size of the leases is still really long. It's about 8.1 years. So even though there's a ton of concerns over, you know, work from home and hybrid work, the people in the market are making commitments for the long run. And that duration actually ticked up a little bit in the second half of the year versus the first half, up 1.4%. And so we could see that push even further because those long terms are happening without a lot of large tenant demand in the market. So that's another thing that continue aid that not just from a demand perspective, but from driving more credit long-term leases in these office assets, which is obviously going to benefit our customers and the industry tremendously. The second is flight to quality. Large tenants also tend to pay up for quality assets more than their smaller counterparts, and they will be an important variable in the persistent flight to quality we've seen. And on that front, we've documented a super pervasive flight to quality across most markets since the start of the pandemic, but we're starting to see a couple distinct trends. 
there are certain markets where we are seeing improvements in the bottom part of the market recently that have outpaced the top end, specifically DC and Boston. Both have unique dynamics that I think explain this well, with DC having way more exposure to cost-sensitive government and nonprofit tenants, whereas in Boston, highest and best use is clearly life science and not traditional office. Certain markets like New York, Seattle, and Houston continue to show a persistent outperformance at the top end of the market, and here, New York reigns king and has done so for a while. If we jump around a little bit, one new stat we couldn't help but include this quarter is data around WALTs or weighted average lease terms. We split this out by A and trophy assets versus B and C assets. And with the large tenants trading up and signing longer terms and nicer assets, plus certain class B and C assets potentially facing obsolescence, we see a big discrepancy in WALTs between the two, with class A and trophy assets having a 26% longer WALT on average versus B and C assets. Now, I want to talk about work from home trends a little bit because work from home and flight to quality definitely go hand in hand. One stat that actually comes from our monthly Vody report and not green shoots that I just had to quote comes from a recent survey called the SWAA or Survey of Working Arrangements and Attitudes. And with over 100,000 data points, the survey tracks monthly trends in work from home arrangements. I should note that these numbers also include non-office workers, but the trend is still really interesting. The share of days working from home has fallen from about 42% in mid to late 2020 to about 33% in the last six months. So while this is a far cry from pre-COVID levels of around 5%, it's an important trend for the office market and plays into our 2023 outlook. We've thrown a ton of numbers at you today, many of which you likely haven't heard before. So I, I want to summarize this with our 2023 outlook. And here we see five key things playing out in 2023 and beyond. First, it's going to be a tough year. Almost all markets tracked by VTS ended with year-over-year VODI readings that were down, in some cases materially. The VODI leads leasing activity by an average of six months, and without a near-term catalyst in sight, we expect lower readings to kind of remain the normal, and that signals further negative net absorption ahead. On top of that, recession risks continue to build. The yield curve remains deeply inverted, and historically that's been a very reliable predictor of recessions. Specifically, the Cleveland Fed forecast model now signals a 54% chance of recession over the next year. When that model has reduced odds that high in the past, the U.S. has entered a recession within the next few quarters. The risk of recession has been well documented, and that's actually likely influencing the weak demand readings from the VODI through much of 2022. And again, something we expect to continue into 2023 is businesses react to the prospect of economic contraction by cutting space costs further. On the flip side of that, a return to office is likely to reverse some of that damage. And after peaking at 62% of paid full-time workers working from home in June 2020, there's been a slow but steady return to office, and that number's declined to 29% as of November 2022. VTS expects this trend to continue in 2023 and beyond, and while it won't reverse poor fundamentals this year, a recession could accelerate that trend further as it strengthens employers' bargaining power, and that's going to make it more of a material tailwind in 2024 and beyond. Shifting to the investment side a little bit, there are select assets in our mind that present an opportunity today. There's been two relative bright spots in the major U.S. office markets that we track, and the first is the relative resilience in the small tenant demand versus large tenant demand segments. Small tenants now account for 24.5% of total demand by square footage, and that's up 23% from pre-COVID norms, while the share of demand from large tenants has declined by 19% over that same period. 
Additionally, flight to quality remains steady across the majority of markets, and it's the intersection of those two trends that's going to present an opportunity. And finally, there's going to be opportunities in distress. Office market fundamentals won't decline forever, and while we have yet to spot a clear inflection point in our data, eventually demand will rebound, and hard-hit tech markets such as San Francisco and Seattle, those are likely going to present favorable returns for first movers, especially those leveraging forward-looking sources of information to gain an edge on other market participants. Again, I know we've covered a ton of ground here today. So I just want to say thank you for watching or listening to our inaugural episode of Trading Paper. We have a lot of great guests and market analysis coming in future episodes. But in the meantime, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media, check out our YouTube page, and also go to our website, vts.com. All those links can be found in the description below. And hey, hope to hear from you soon.